So this will be number four in the can because I'm editing so slowly. Is it? Do we still have four in the can? Yeah, this because um, yeah, the build of the pay-per-view, the pay-per-view, and then this. This is number four. <laughs> and um, I can't number this episode because we may do a WrestleMania bonus episode. which In between? Would, which would probably, to have it be timely, would probably kind of come in before this one. So, oh God, yeah. welcome to a an episode of Butts in the Seats podcast. This starts to be where it gets weird, where we like are off schedule, so now we can't be like, welcome to episode 15 or whatever. Yeah, well, we're also off schedule because this is the build to Uncensored, and this is all the build, because there's only three weeks of build, so it's like, do we weirdly try to split it in half? Or Which do we, we still might, we'll see. We'll see. However, we have virtually nothing to talk about in the third week, so yeah. I'm not terribly worried about it. It going super long, but apologies if it did, but uh, yeah. Welcome again to the Buzz and Seats Podcast. I'm Nick, alongside Emily. Hello, I am Emily. That's me. Hello. How you doing today, Emily? I'm doing great. We woke up and we made a nice little brunch breakfast. It's daylight savings day today, so I don't sleep in. I usually wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning, 8.30, if not earlier. Thank you for precisely dating when we recorded this episode. You're welcome. <laughs> so you can see how <laughs> long it took me to edit everything. Yeah. It's fine. My plan is to edit uh, part one of the build to Super Brawl today, so. It's fine. We'll get there. It's fine. Everything's fine. But we woke up. I woke up at like 10 o'clock, and I never sleep that late, so I saw that. I was like, whoa, that's weird. You woke up at 11, because you got up at 10. You, yeah. You were up and about at 11. Yeah, because I like, laid in bed. You was 10, because you're like, no, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. Daylight savings is stupid. But that started with me trying to say we had a nice brunch. I'm on mimosa number two. We are having our coffee. And ready to record. Having an Irish coffee. You're having an Irish coffee. I'm having a mimosa and a regular coffee. A few days before St. Patrick's Day. Luck o the Irish. Since it is the week of St. Patrick's Day, here is our favorite line from one of our favorite Irish wrestlers. <laughs> Top of the line into you. Alice in danger, you divvy knacker. You know, I don't think I've ever watched the rest of that promo. <laughs> And then there's, um... Captain fucking New Japan, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh yeah, anytime New Japan comes up in wrestling chit-chat around the apartment, Captain fucking New Japan! But speaking of days and things that force us to drink... <laughs> really? That's how we're transitioning into this? <laughs> yeah. Which is unfortunate, because let's get into the build for Uncensored. Because the first episode was actually pretty good. It really wasn't bad. In comparison, it was good. But it wasn't bad. They, they, we watched them all at once. Or rather, one after the other, not all at once. Yeah, we know. We just had three screens playing all three weeks. No, this was our day yesterday. We just watched three episodes of WCW television. Yeah, because it was a pretty good show until, like, the last five minutes. Oh, yeah. I'm remembering now. But we start with the February 22nd, 1999, Monday Nitro. We get commentary talking about the main event from last night being Super Brawl. I swear, Mike Tanay is like low-key shooting on this company every time they kind of... Like every Monday after pay-per-view, he's like, oh, that was uh, that was real shit. But he's talking about <laughs> it in kayfabe. And I'm like, I think you're talking for real. No, I think you just hate your job, but you don't want to quit because they're paying you well. Yeah, they also... Are showing, you know, the nitro stills of David Flair coming out in the mask and shocking Ric Flair. Mm -hmm. To which I realized, 
Rick never sees him, so there's literally no point in coming down in a mask. Yeah, because like by the time outside David comes of the down, narrative needs it. Yeah, no. And that is have... solely for the audience. That is not for Rick. But even then, it's like, I guess because he's wearing the NWO shirt, but like have him in a zipped up jacket. Because you reveal it 10 minutes later. It would be different if you like, okay, we're going to have this be a couple weeks and we're going to keep him masked. Yeah. And just, ne- but and, it's also and just that never mask- show his cheeks. Yeah. that Oh, God. That mask does not hide his identity. Like if you know his body build and you recognize his eyes, which are very very discernible yeah i loosely remember the swerve just from hearing about it and he walked out and you immediately went wait a minute that's david flair oh i did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You, you saw through that shit i called it immediately that was like because um. he's just he's a very obvious person like once you see him once you can see his body like his silhouette and his his eyes like his eyes are very discerning just like they're very telling so later in the broadcast, they will be doing a face-to-face with Rick and David Flair. And David Flair is already in that area they're doing it, which... Oh my god, that area. Yeah, it was strange. Because like, oh, it's backstage. And it was just like, it looked like a shitty apartment living room. Yeah, okay, so they were saying it was backstage, but it looked like it was at somebody's apartment. But they like they staged it for a backstage but first of all the couches can we talk about the couches the plaid couches they're so ugly they're a black and white plaid but it's like a big plaid it's not like a small pattern sort of subtle plaid no it's it is the 90s at its worst it is so ugly see i saw those couches and i thought yeah that would be appropriate in like backstage at like a high school theater yeah, we got onto a whole tangent about that a couple of days ago with our friend about the high school theaters and how each one had a, a couch that you do not sit on. No. You sit on the couch, you might be pregnant, <laughs> regardless of gender. Regardless. But uh, on, well, I guess relatedly, on this couch, David Flair and Tori Wilson are just like hanging out. Oh my god, and their which, lack of chemistry. <laughs> These uh, two have nothing. Okay, do you want to talk about Tori Wilson's name now, or do you want to wait until it Let's c- comes Let's talk about up? it now, because we're going to be talking about her through this whole episode, and we need to just clarify. Okay, so we're going to call her Tori Wilson. Yes. Because that is her name. They are going to call her That Woman, The Lady in Red, and Samantha. They're also going to call her Tori Wilson. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> That was the weirdest thing. Buff Bagwell calls her Tori Wilson at one point, and then later they're like, oh, hey, where's Samantha? And I'm like, like, what the fuck is her name? And we'll get into this later. It is unclear whether or not Tori Wilson is meant to be a prostitute. Yeah, there's a point later that it very much seems like they are paying one of Tori's friends to be a prostitute, which leads me to believe that they intended Tori to be a prostitute. I don't know. We'll get to that later. But I will note that... Whatever they're paying Tori Wilson, it's probably not enough because okay. she is she is carrying him through these segments. And it's funny. As somebody who only saw kind of end of her career, Tori Wilson, when I first started watching wrestling, when she had like her puppy and was doing Playboy pillow fights and all that, I was kind of like, I mean, one, she's obviously gorgeous, but I'm like, eh, she's, you know, she, in the grand scheme, she's not great. But here, I'm like, you know what? She has a lot of charisma. And I have oh, to she absolutely credit. does. Yes. Yeah. Never is it more prevalent that she is the one that is carrying David through these segments than these segments, because this whole time he's just got the the 20 yard death stare into absolutely nothing, just into the void. And she's like cuddling up all on him and doing all of the talking, being like, oh, my God, you're so much better than your father. He has he has nothing on you. Oh, you're so hot. The NWO is so lucky to have you. 
and he's just dead stare into nothing. It's like he and then there there was one point, I think at the beginning of this segment, or at the end of this segment, sorry, that as soon as she hit her last line or whatever it was, whenever he decided that the segment was over, he like snapped out of the twenty yard stare and looked at the guy in the camera. Oh, I missed that. I noticed it. It's like, okay, I'm done now. So that discussion of the Flair family will happen later in the night. Mm-hmm. Although Tony Shawani will step out at some point to for prep for it. Reason? It's strange. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. We are once again skipping around in these just for the sake of uh, speed and getting the next pay-per-view because we are not at the point where... Well, we're kind of at the point where each Nitro is a car crash, but we're not fully there yet. There's no reason for us to watch, like, Prince Iakea. They're not desperate enough yet to where you have to watch each Nitro to know what's going on. Mm. We go backstage with an uh, interview of Mean Gene and Booker T. It's a pretty, you know, standard promo. He's kind of been cutting. Like, a babyface promo, nothing terribly interesting. He does have the line, it's on, like, neck bone. Which I, I really needed to not read as it's on like neck bone because that would just like that loses any sort of flow to it. I still don't know what it means though, but that's just being a good promo as well, where you can get away with saying things that don't make sense as long as you say it well. Like think about most of the rocks promos, and it's you like candy ass. If. You gave the Rocks promos to somebody who wasn't as good on the mic, they would be so corny and bad. Oh, God, yeah. Like, here's the exact verbiage, go say this. The thing is, like, you said that he said that line before we started recording, and I don't remember it. So I just don't think that, like, like, even the Rocks promos, you don't know them word for word, unless you, like, you do, like, you were a Rock fan. But, like, the Booker Booker T's stuff, you're not going to go back and, like, repeat. You're not going to know all the words, too. I wonder, like, I wonder if he just says things to see if people listen. Because it's on, like, Neckbow. What does that mean? Later in the night, we'll be getting Bret Hart versus Booker T in a number one contenders match for the U.S. title. I forget if they actually said for the U.S. title, but I'm assuming it's did. for. It logically makes sense, considering yeah. they've been wrestling in that division. Yeah, and in that promo, Booker tells Bret to get ready to go all night long. To which I said, kinky. You know, I don't know if Booker's done anything that we've actually disliked. I'm really thinking about it. I'm like, I think I think Booker's been around. We've been, we've at least mildly enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, it, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I really dislike of his. And maybe it's also who he's being put against because, like, other people might like, okay, well, you're going to have a stinker because you're with X. Right. Yeah, I but, guess comparatively, Booker T is the best thing about WCW right now. Yeah. Oh, God, wow. I know. It's strange for you only seeing him in the invasion. It's that is a weird sentence for me to say after watching him in the invasion. I know it's it's funny because that's not a controversial statement at all. I think that I think that you and I watching the invasion is what made you want to do this podcast because I vehemently hated almost everyone from WCW that came over, and you're yeah. like, no, 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 they're good. Yeah, no. I think it was your hatred for Booker T and DDP, and I'm like, no, 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 no they were good. <laughs> Here, do a 250 episode podcast. <laughs> Let me prove to you they're good. We're going to listen to a book, and then we're going to read a book, and then we're going to do a podcast about this book. <laughs> and if you and if we get to the end and you don't like them, we have to do it all again. <laughs> do it the way I want it to be done. I'm not and, doing this out of my own free will, I swear. <laughs> in, in another thing I hope by the end of this fucking podcast, you know. Hmm. Emily, who is Scott Norton? I don't know. Scott Norton is all over this fucking show. He's the one with the beret. 
Yes, the the triple the leather. Bra- yeah, the triple H. The triple H. Yes, the uh, backwards leather patty cap. Sure, as has been referred. He's to. that one, not to be confused with the other three bald, bearded, bellied man. I'm pretty sure Brian Adams also has that hat. Oh my god! And then you wonder why I can't tell these men apart. Every time Scott Norton came on screen for these NWO segments, I was like, "That's Scott Norton, right?" No, the first one you asked, "Who is that?" and I was like, "Jesus Christ!" I don't. I cannot tell them apart. At this point, I feel like you should at least only know Scott Norton because it keeps happening. I know. Anyway, backstage, uh, Vincent is talking to Scott Norton, and Vince claims he's in charge. And I heard it, Scott Norton presses X to doubt. (laughs) I think Scott Norton has like one line through the first two and a half hours of the show, which is, you're the the man? So you're the man. You're the man. Okay. You're the man. And that's the end of the end of that segment. However, we will uh, continue the adventures of Scott Norton. <laughs> Sometimes in this podcast, I like to uh, throw things over to Emily for her to run through. Mm. So, Emily, would you like to run us through um, Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell's little adventure? For Just s- this first one? For spring breakout. You know what? We'll see how, how, how it goes. Okay. So we get this segment with Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell on a... They don't even really say that it's a spring break adventure at first. Well, it, it is part of like the spring breakout tour. And they kind of throw to it, but not to... They don't throw to it. They just cut to it. I'll put it this way. Whatever, however they set it up, it's not for a pre-recorded like, sketch comedy thing. No. So we are led to believe that they're going on this like cross-country tour. Euro trip starring Buff Bagwell and Scott Steiner. <laughs> But it must have happened in the past because they're both on the show tonight. So I don't know. The timeline is messy. Anyway, so we cut to the segment with Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell walking through a gym. Being, you know, them. Creepy as hell. Buff Bagwell walks up to a woman who's doing squats with a bar. And he's like, oh, yeah. just, just the bar. Just the bar. I, I, I pause. Like, she was just, you know, doing squats with only the bar. Which, in her defense, that's heavy to me. So... To be Shut fair, up. that may have been like a third of her body weight. Exactly. She's judging tiny. by this woman. She's tiny. So, of course, without her asking or even looking like she's struggling, Buff Bagwell goes in to help. And he he spots her. He's like, whoa, you got to be careful. And she's like, oh, my God, Buff, thank you so much. What a, what a nice guy, Buff Bagwell. Such a nice guy. So she's Malady. like. lady. I can't remember if this is immediate or after a few minutes, but she invites them out to a bar after their workout. Yeah, they they work out and then she's like, hey. Meet me up at this place. Anyway, they go to this bar, and it is a drag queen bar. It's a gay bar. So these drag queens... I feel like those are two very different types of bars. Three lovely drag queens meet Buff Bagwell and Scott Steiner at the door, and they're suddenly like, oh, you're not in the right place, honey. And they're like, oh, no, we gotta get out of here. It's okay. We gotta go. So they go outside, and they realize that their Hummer, which is the first time I'm learning about a Hummer, has been stolen. Yeah, because they're in a bus for various parts of this. Later on, we find out that the Hummer yeah. is a Hummer limo. So I think that's what they're talking about. Yes, yeah, so they walk in the bar and it's like a, what? So they go out and realize that their car has been stolen. The bouncer gives them a note that says, race you to Raleigh. So which leads us to believe they're going to have to like hitchhike their way to Raleigh. But also, when are they, when are they in Raleigh? They're in Chapel Hill next week, which is, I guess... Close to Raleigh. I guess. I don't know geography I mean, well enough, they're both but... in North Carolina. Yeah. Anyway. So we seem to think that they're going to have to hitchhike their way. Cut to the next shot. They're walking in on a Goldberg photo shoot. And they're like, oh, where's that woman? She stole my car. I'm like, 
where are we? Wait, did no? They, no, that was immediately after. Oh, he was. I, I I didn't think he was looking for her. I what else would he have been looking for? Basically, we then cut to now, like real time, and it's Goldberg doing a photo shoot, and Scott Snyder just busts in and is like, "Oh, I'm gonna fight you later." And that's I didn't think it. there was a jump in time. I thought. Oh, it there was is. Like, the, the, the Goldberg thing is meant to be like live. Meant to be live. That was not made clear. No. It, <laughs> So, because to me, that segment was they went to a gym, hit on a girl, girl invited them to a bar, bar ended up being a ruse, she stole their car, now they're stranded, but oops, now I'm in a Goldberg photo shoot. No, the Goldberg photo shoot was unrelated to the previous okay. sketch. I guess However, we realized later, I don't remember exactly when, that the joke is they're in San Francisco. Which is, I don't, I don't know, because we don't live in California. San Francisco is known for its gay community. Yes, okay. or at least was at the time. At least was in 1999. So this is funny. You're in a gay bar in a gay town. Huh? And all gays are drags because it's 99. Yeah, because you can't be gay and not be a drag queen, obviously. Yeah, per the photo shoot interruption, it's like, okay, cool. I, I guess you have a match later. Oh, yeah, because there was, there was some like, oh, you, I'm going to fight you, you. Yeah. Was that a good, <laughs> a good impression? I mean, you got the point across, but <laughs> intru- bad impression for either man. So we only have a few matches on this, which is partially by choice and also partially by, um, there not being a lot of matches. Yeah, we really didn't want Especially of consequence. I feel bad that Van Hammer has kind of become our point of, this is a pointless match. Yeah. But I think it was the third week. I saw Bret Hart versus Van Hammer. I'm like, okay, this is a squash match. Did, wasn't it Jericho versus Van Hammer in this episode? No. Jericho fought Hugh Morris. Who is also on that list of like, oh, this is nothing. Yeah, much. Prince Ayakea. Unfortunately, your boy Kaz Hayashi is yeah. a jobber. He's... We haven't seen um, Norman Smiley in a minute. We haven't. You're right. Hmm. The match we're going to talk about is the previously mentioned Booker T versus Bret Hart. Unfortunately, they only have the one version, so I'm going to have to pitch it down a little bit for a sadder. Who's that Pokemon? So we're doing this for Booker T, although I guess we probably could have done one for Bret Hart. Uh, but Definitely couldn't have done it for Ray Mysterio. I think our days of doing who's a Pokemon for Ray Mysterio are officially over based on what he wore during these weeks. It's like, it's not I think what we're going to have to do conducive. with this moving forward is just whenever we are inspired by whatever a wrestler is wearing, yeah. then we'll be like, oh, who's that Pokemon? Yeah, I think, um, I think honestly it'll be more like, okay, that's a unique outfit. Yeah. Who are you? Exactly. Inspiration. So we're doing this one for Booker T, and Booker T is wearing red tights with black and yellow flames. Emily, who is that Pokemon? I have two options for you. You have two? Okay. I have two. I, I really only found one that I was like, it's this. It's Magmar. Yes. It's Magmar. <laughs> it, you said Magmar as we were watching. I'm like, let me try to find another one. And I literally was looking through. I'm like, you know, sometimes the, the obvious choice is the right one. Yeah. And the other one I think you're going to say no to because I don't think there's any black in this Pokemon, but I did zero research. This is just off the top of my head because we've been playing Pokemon and they're in my head. I said Charmeleon. No black. No black. One for two. But Magmar is absolutely correct. Yeah. You know how you're mad sometimes I say there's a correct answer? There's a correct answer to this one. It is Magmar. Uh, oh, I guess I'll also I'll, I will take Magmortar, which Magmar evolves into. I will not take Magby. I didn't think of either of them. I don't think I could have pulled their names out of my ass if I tried. It's the pre and post evolution. I of- believe you. Yeah. I don't know their names. I know Magmar. <laughs> Come on, Magby's Gen 2. You should know at least Gen 2. I just don't know all the evolution names. I think if I looked at it, I could be like, oh, that's the pre-evolution of Magmar, or that's the post-evolution. But I don't think I could tell you their name. 
So let's get to the match. Brett spends the first couple minutes kind of jawing at the crowd. He stalls on the outside, so Booker holds the ropes open for him. It's like, oh, come on, come in. Yeah, it did take him a few minutes to really get this match started. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that a little more later on, but Bret Hart is starting to dip in quality. Oh, God, yeah. I have a note about that, too. Yeah, because I, I think this is actually when I realized, I'm like, I don't like the first five minutes of any Bret Hart match in WCW. Yeah. Because it, it is a very slow pace for most of it. And then I think I actually wrote that and immediately Booker T picks things up and, mm-hmm. hit, and hits a scissor kick. I think they're calling it an axe kick, which... How do they, you... I think they called it a scissor, I thought. Because, like, it makes more sense for it to be a scissor than an axe. They call it a scissor kick eventually, but I think oh. here they're still calling it an axe kick. How are you feeling about this match? Before that scissor kick, I was noting that, like, Bret Hart is really killing Booker T. Oh, good. Let's just, we're, we're just going to cut away from that. We're going to cut to Disco Inferno in the satellite truck. I forgot they cut away from this match. God damn it. Yeah, and Disco goes up to the technician, and he's like, hey, so we're going to pirate your feed. And that's literally what he says. He's not even, like, subtle about it. Like, yeah, we're going uh, to pirate in the feed and around. there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> so I think he said for 15 minutes. They don't do it for 15 minutes. Yeah. But, yeah, he was like, we're going to do this, and um, you can't say no. Yeah, he's like, what and are the you? guy's like, okay. He's like, you know, we're the NWO. What, what, what are you making a year? This or this? He's like, I make 500 a day. Which, to me, is like, damn, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I don't know the rate for that, especially in 99, but I'm like, that's about right, I'd imagine. I mean, it sounds good. I would take 500 a day in 2021. But he really flips on this, like, quickly of like, oh, yeah, I guess I, uh, guess I have to help you. I guess I don't really have an option. It starts picture in picture, and then they just, f- yeah, they fully cut to oh, disco. Yeah. For at least, like, two minutes. Like fuck this match. Yeah. So then they then they go back to it. Brett hits a diving axe handle from Brett's rope, and then hits a diving elbow also from Brett's rope. They go to the outside, and Brett just uses a chair. Cause DQ. <laughs> Brett chokes Booker in the corner, and the ref counts to five, and he then says warns the him five. DQ. By the way, <laughs> this this span of like five minutes is my bad call yeah. tonight. <laughs> Because it happens like four, I think it's three or four times. But what also happens during this match is Tony Schiavone is like, well, I have to go uh, get ready for the flare versus the flare flare conversation. So he just fucking leaves. He walks off. So they cut away from this match for two minutes, go to Disco Inferno, come back, and immediately Tony Schiavone just leaves. Also, that segment's not next. No. That segment is at the end of the night. And also... I man, I I don't remember. Spoilers: the segment doesn't really happen, but he's just addressing the camera for like fifteen thirty seconds before they cut away. And There's it, no reason. And in my in my brain, I cannot remember if he's holding a microphone during that. So I'm I like, why know. were you even there? There's absolutely no reason for Tony Schiavone to be back there. But there's, yeah, it was just kind of, like, disrespectful. Like, fuck this match. Fuck these two. These two are big names for the company. If this happened during, like, a, you know, Norman Smiley versus Alex Smith match, fine. Who fucking cares? Oh, the quarterback for, or former quarterback for the Washington football team? Is that his, was that his name? I think you're thinking of Alex Wright. Alex Wright. I'm sorry. (laughs) If it happened during that match, fine. Who cares? But it's Bret Hart versus Booker T. It's a big name match. Yeah, I... Not a good match, but it's a big name match. 
I'm wondering if this is Kevin Nash pulling some bullshit. Probably. Because Kevin Nash does not think Bret Hart is worth his paycheck. And so it's like, let's fuck with your matches. No, I was just getting frustrated during this match because, like, as we were saying before, Booker T is a very entertaining wrestler to watch. And we do generally have fun when he's on screen. But he is a high-energy wrestler. Bret Hart is the complete opposite to that. He is not high-energy, at least not at this point in WCW. So when he goes against um, Booker T, it just kills Booker. Like, he keeps... Like, Booker gets into a groove, he goes fast, and then immediately Bret Hart leaves the match. And I recognize that that could be a strategy for Bret. But it's terrible for It's meant to be. It's just bad from a, like, spectator. Which, yeah, I partially agree because... I really like the second half of this match. Yeah. I feel like it keeps happening with Bret Hart matches where, and I think it's because Bret Hart's working as a heel. I think that's why. That's why it's okay. After all the commotion of cutting back and him leaving, Booker manages to counter a sharpshooter attempt into an inside cradle. And I'm like, oh shit, that was that a good was near cool, fall. Yeah. Hart then locks in the figure four. Do you find it weird that he's doing Ric Flair's finisher not as a finisher? No, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, I find it weird that you're because if you do someone's finisher and win with it it's one thing but when you're doing it for like just a, a spot consistently mm-hmm. it's like picture triple h just started doing a tombstone pile driver and yeah. not winning with it that does kind of bring some it, it kind of removes the power from the move you know who actually got mad about that who? stone cold steve austin i believe that john cena was doing a springboard stunner and not winning First off, he barely, I think that that move is officially called the didn't get all of it stunner. Oh. Because he always kind of botched it. But yeah, it just, they kicked out every time. It wasn't a finisher. And it's like, well, thanks for. Uh, thanks for ruining my move. Yeah. That's why I think he's fine with Kevin Owens doing Kevin Owens wins with that move. Yeah. But anyway, he gets him into a figure four. Booker manages to turn over the figure four, but Brett gets the ropes. Booker finally starts his comeback, hits a spinning heel kick, then a sidewalk slam, followed by a spinner-rooney, which I think they, they call, like, oh, that breakdancing move. Yeah, like, they don't call it a spinner-rooney. Booker goes up top for a Harlem hangover, but Brett catches him with a big superplex. Like, mm. I, it, it was, it's funny, that's really been watered down by them doing it every week, but this one, I was like, oh, shit, I don't, yeah. I don't know what was different, but it looked impactful. There was more oomph in it. Got a little more juice on it. Brett locks in the sharpshooter, but Booker's in the ropes, so the ref counts to five again! And then he's like, no, nope, nah, we're not going to DQ you. Mm-mm. We should also note, it's one. Come on, Brad, break the hole. Break the hole. Break the hole. Two. Two. Come on. Come on, Brad. What are you doing? What are you doing, Brad? Three. Ah, uh, yeah. How's your father? <laughs> he's like chatting. How's the fan, Brad? Yeah. He's like chatting, telling him to break it up between each comic. Just fucking count. And then he hits five. Ah, oh, come on, Brad. Come on. Especially because it's and a- And then he lets go. It's a number one contendership, so Booker can just win. It's not like he needs to win by pinfall to win the belt. It's like, mm-hmm. no, just- this guy is cheating. Fucking stop him. Brett then tries for a sunset flip pin, but Booker sits and hooks the legs and gets the win. Yeah, so now it's Booker is the number one contender. Huh. Hey, big spender. Hey, big contender. Yeah, it, it definitely picked up in the second half. It did. Which is kind of the case with all Bret Hart matches. But I'm happy to see Booker T is number one contender. Mm-hmm. He doesn't wrestle Scott Hall in the pay-per-view. I peaked who he wrestles. So... But I think Scott Hall may be injured. Yeah, because he doesn't show up in any of this build, really. He shows up very briefly in one yeah. one backstage sketch. If I'm not mistaken, I think he gets hurt around this time. I know a lot of the NWO gets hurt around this time, and he kind of fizzles. 
But no, this match, I think, I can't remember if it was this match or one in the other two episodes, but I think this is when I'm starting to realize, like, I don't actually like Bret Hart as a wrestler. No. I think I want to like him. I think I've been told that I should like him, so every time he comes on, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good match. And then it's just kind of, I'm like, eh, it's fine. Yeah, and for whatever reason, it was a big win for Booker T. It didn't feel like a big win. It didn't. Yeah, they have that issue a little bit of like the moment, like they need things to feel more like big moments and they just don't have it. Yeah, there was absolutely no like louding Booker T in this. Like commentary couldn't give less of a shit about this match. Yeah. Judge it without the one of them left. Yeah. So we skip ahead here. However, I do want to know Disco Inferno had a match. And I'm like, you know how I know Disco Fever slaps is that he still has it. And they add the like N-W-O. Like they're not like, yeah. they're, they don't give him the NWO music. Like, no, nah, this this is Disco good. You should, too good on its own. you should still have this. So we go backstage and it's Brian Adams with Scott Norton. It's like, hey, I'm in charge. Another person I had to ask you, who is that? Yeah. Scott Norton is confused. For some reason, the NWO theme is playing under this one. It was not playing under any no. the other one or any of the future ones. No. I just noted in general, acting. Acting. Because they're also just standing there ready for the camera. And then it's like a, hey, man, what's going on? It's like, yeah. you need to walk up to walk each other for that. Walk into the frame, my dude. But no, Scott Norton getting sus. Yeah, so Brian Adams, he's also in charge. We then go to the ring and we get Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell coming out. And the chick from Super Brawl is back. Yeah, that that pretty brunette lady. The very f- the, the fit brunette lady. Cause I, I think she's pretty. I was begging for someone to invent YouTube so she could find some makeup tutorials. Oh, yeah. I had to explain to Nick how I learned how to do makeup because the way that I learned and the way many women are in my generation learned was not available to women in 1999. It was really just you look at a magazine and you try to replicate. And if you can't do it, you can't do it. And this woman could not do it. And she could obviously not afford a makeup artist because it was rough. So we talked about how Scott Steiner kind of teleported earlier to the arena this woman somehow teleports into the crowd in the middle of, like, she's walking in the ring and they cut to the crowd. And there's an identical woman to her oh my in God, the crowd yeah. wearing the same outfit. Yeah, I think it was just, like, plan A, plan B. I <laughs> if one went to the bathroom or something and missed their shot, this one's the one we're going to go with. I had to rewind because I'm like, <laughs> did you, like, accidentally, like, splice a clip in that you fucked up? But, like, no, I, I, I'm like, I guess that is technically a different woman. This one, this segment, though, made me laugh. Because she comes in and she's very obviously supposed to be the arm candy to Scott Steiner. And so she starts doing that. She starts like, you know, rubbing herself up yeah, on him. She, she gets down to her knees. Like, she squats down next to him and, and has is like, like holding the model his pose. leg. Very sexy. And I guess she just holds it for a little too long. Buff Bagwell bends down and whispers in her ear something, which must have been get the fuck up. Yeah. And then she just gets up and yeah, she, she just stands behind them so awkwardly for the rest of the segment. Yes, she had no idea what to do. I did love the, because I think we noted that, like, oh, man, she's really there for a while. And then we just see Buff Bagwell leaking down. And like, get the fuck up. <laughs> he probably didn't say it like that. He was probably like, hey, hey stand up. Stand up. I guess they were, in, they were in Oakland last night. So I'm guessing she's local to the, that area. Because Oakland. She's, yeah. I'm Oakland, wondering if she's a model. Because the pose that she goes into is very much a, like, modely pose. Because she's not here next week. Okay. And considering Oakland and San Fran are literally across the bay from each other, I assume it was just like, all right, you're here. Any hoot. So Scott is cutting his promo, and uh, he notes the Kimberly stipulation, which we did talk about. Like, I don't think that was a real stipulation. And 
The, yeah. the 30 days and 30 nights. Yeah, and he's still he's talking about it like it's real. And I think commentary... Yeah, Tony's like, that's a lie. Yeah, so maybe that's not a thing. And he yes, because Tony Schiavone had to be sure to be back for this segment. He he couldn't be there for the match, but, you know, a, a, a Scott Steiner promo. Let's make sure Tony's out there. Priorities. So, yeah, he basically says he's going to bang Kimberly. He's the best at sex. He had a line that you liked. <laughs> Talking about DDP. It's like, you're going to be like at the hospital. You're going to be on your back screaming. And Kimberly's going to be on her back. Oh, oh yeah. Was it was um, at the hospital. You're going to be on your back screaming in pain while your wife is screaming my name. I was like, I mean, that's kind of good. I think it was so good the music played. And they're like, we're not done yet. Oh, yeah. He yelled, I'm not done yet. Because he then challenges Goldberg, which I'm like, wait, you implied you had a match earlier during the photo shoot thing. Yeah, I don't know. This keeps happening with Scott Steiner. Of he doesn't know his own timeline. Having matches and then feeling the need to like... It happened, it happened with uh, DDP. They made the match for Super Brawl and then he came out and challenged DDP to a match for Super Brawl. I'm like, you already have it. It was... Yeah. Because he has the line in this promo like, I've hurt my brother. I've hurt DDP. If I could, I'd hurt Sting. I'm going to hurt Goldberg next. I'm wondering when Sting's coming back because they keep mentioning yeah. Sting. But in this promo is when I was like, I forgot about Rick Steiner. So I remember noting to you, I'm like, oh yeah, where the hell is Rick Steiner? He tells Goldberg that he's not hard to find. He's just hard. Ask his hoochies. I'm like, are you playing when you wrestle? You have a boner? Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, apparently the, uh, that's the main event tonight is Goldberg versus Scott Steiner. Our next match is Kevin Nash with Lex Luger and Miss Elizabeth versus Ray Unmasked Ray Mysterio. Oh yeah, I don't have this written down as a match because it's more of a promo than a match. They have a match. I know, but it's not a match. Well, Nash comes out with the mask and puts it on like a hat. I did get annoyed in hindsight of you were paying more attention to taking this mask than you were to breaking Goldberg's streak. Is that true? Nash barely mentioned breaking the streak. Oh, you're talking about Nash. I thought you were talking about like commentary in general. No, 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 no. Nash. Oh, absolutely. Although commentary barely noticed it. Oh, I'm being the, the, the streak. But. <laughs> they mentioned the mask and like they, they do talk about the mask more. Yeah, which but... I, I guess I am happy that they are. I, I guess I should, I should count my blessings of they are at least treating it like, oh shit, he took the mask. Yeah. I'm just glad they're treating him losing his mask like it's something special and not like okay he's unmasked uh, let's move on i wonder if when goldberg lost his streak he was like so embarrassed by how it happened or he goldberg didn't like how it happened so production just didn't write it into a storyline to like be talked about moving forward because like the mask hey. is something that you cannot ignore i think the it's streak you can kind of i think it's a, a bit of i think you're half right I think it's also Kevin Nash's booking, and Kevin Nash doesn't give a shit about the streak, so doesn't feel the need to talk about it. He's talked about it since, and it's like, I'm not a mark. I'm not going to fucking come out and be, you know, talking about it. As opposed to when Brock Lesnar broke the Undertaker streak, literally every week, yeah. Paul Heyman came out, and it was my client, Brock Lesnar. great heel con- heat. Yeah. Well, it's great heat for Brock Lesnar. It's unfortunate that they paired him up, paired him up with Cesaro. So any Cesaro segment was just Brock Lesnar hype. It's like, oh. Yeah. But talking about how you broke a Giants streak is good heel heat. I don't get why Kevin Nash tried to be, like, above it. I don't know. I, we talk about then between again, the two of us of which one's worse, Kevin Nash or Scott Hall. And 
They're you, becoming are, equal. Are you coming? I'm saying you're, so you're starting to come around. I am starting to come around, but we also haven't seen Scott Hall in a couple of days. Yeah, so. I, I'm also. We get it here. I'm really over the. I'm gonna lean on the ropes and cut a really sarcastic promo because mm-hmm. just it. This one is just like fake earnesty of like we went too far. You know, we're sorry. You don't have you to can, do a match. You can just come out and take your mask. You can back. have the mask back. It doesn't fit me anyway. Liz won't wear it. Like, shit like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, like, you can have back. I mean, Liz won't wear it anyway. And it's like, well, fuck off. Yeah, shut up. Ray comes out and, oh, my exact wording in my notes is, he offers Ray his mask back like a dickhead. Like a dickhead. <laughs> so, Ray comes out to, it's a different theme than Super Brawl. I don't know if we've heard it before. Because he's just shuffling them. And they don't slap. No. They have... Ray has lost his luster. Yeah. He lost it's, his r- love of It's real life. unfortunate. It's sad. It's just sad to see him like this because he is one of my favorite wrestlers. And, like, this is just seeing him at his lowest, I feel. It's very... Well, actually, I would say it's very much Shawn Michaels that he lost his smile, but that was bullshit for Shawn Michaels. He lost his smile? Oh, yeah. I don't think you've told me about this. <laughs> oh, it's a it yeah. It basically Shawn Michaels was a bit banged up. It was in yeah, and didn't want a job to Bret Hart at WrestleMania, so he lost his smile and had to uh, vacate the WWE title. That's so stupid. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. No, it, I'm trying to make sense of that. It is. It, it is absolutely stupid. Oh my god. They had a whole fucking video package like weeks afterwards of, of like Shawn Michaels' career. Set to the music called Tell Me a Lie. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I will remember you. No. <laughs> Might as well have been. Yeah. Oh, God. Sometimes I forget that you just like you just don't know things. Because why I would don't. you? Why, yeah, why would I know that? That, that sounds like a Veggie Tales storyline. <laughs> I lost <laughs> my smile. <laughs> Although, I, I guess both of us kind of forgot. If it was VeggieTales, it would be, Jesus has my smile. I have to go get it. I've lost my smile because Jesus is not on earth anymore. Please help me get my smile. Jesus is within you. Oh, my smile's back. Like, that's the storyline. Yeah, I think we recently remembered that VeggieTales is all religious. Yeah. Because no, everyone always, like, when you say VeggieTales, people just think, oh, where is my hairbrush? And that's not Jesus. <laughs> I don't really think anything specifically. I just think, you know, cartoon, badly animated cartoon vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about Jesus. But Ray comes out and says it's not about the mask. He wants to fight Kevin Nash, which is very, well, I guess also a pride element. But I'm like, man, that's definitely a line written for you because you did not, I know you didn't want to lose that mask. No. He says something along the lines of like, you took a piece of me and now I want to take a piece of you. I, I, I'm guessing he said, I want to take a piece of your ass. I don't think he said that. No. Not not of your ass. Maybe I'm thinking too Triple H, because that is very much Triple H line. Take a yeah, piece of your ass. <laughs> Did you find it strange that Ray wrestles wearing a chain? Nope, didn't even think about it. Yeah, he wears like a metal chain with like a like he's like the cross from his mask, like as like a pendant on it. Ah, Jesus, it all comes around. <laughs> there you go. What veggie tail is Ray Mysterio? <laughs> he is uh the fucking uh, the red one. The tomato? I don't know. <laughs> For scale, Ray came out wearing, it was like, the you know, like Arctic camo kind of mm-hmm. look. And we're like, it's not the same. It's not. 
It and, doesn't have the same pop. And, and like, next week it comes out in white. jeans, yeah. and I'm like, I think when I saw the jeans, I was officially like, it's dead. It's Rey over. Mysterio can't do We're going to try to milk this segment as long as we can. It might not be an every episode thing, but we're we'll going to try. I'm like, so I'm saying, we're going to do Pokemon when we're inspired. So they decided to go forward with the match. Ray manages to knock down Nash after a spinning heel kick, which I noted was like pretty easily knocked down for little guy and a giant. Yeah. I was like, oh, you went down after like a move as opposed to like, you know, oh, we got to, you know, take out the knee a couple times right. and then you do it. It's like, nope, just spinning heel kick. You did note that you thought that this match was kind of just like a, um, what do you call it? Cons- Compromise, consolation prize. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, we fucked you over last week. Throw you a bone. So you can beat, yeah, here's you beating a former world champion. Yeah. WCW is kind of notorious for that, where, where like, we'll fuck you over, but then we'll give you a little something. Hmm. Ray then hits a springboard face buster, to which I note, take note, Billy Kidman. <laughs> oh, Billy. Nash regains control and signals for the jackknife, complete with Mock putting a cigarette out on Ray's back. Oh, I missed that. Which I'm pretty sure was in one of the SmackDown vs. Raw games. I thought that was a JBL powerbomb. I guess that's like a one-off Kevin Nash one. Yeah, that does seem like that would fit JBL more than Kevin Nash. Yeah, they would also... SmackDown versus Raw would weirdly take mocap from like, this happened once, let's turn it into a move. So he gets them up for the jackknife, but Ray counters and punches him head a couple times. And then they kind of fall and Ray manages to get the pin after a real quick count. It was a very quick count. We rewound to count that and it was very... Yeah, because they do it in, they show the count in slow motion and I'm like, it looks kind of fine, but it's real... Alligator arm count. <laughs> I found the match fairly enjoyable, but I'm like, it's a shitty consolation yeah, for Ray losing his mask. I thought it was fine in terms of, you know, big power guy, small, small, fast, sneaky guy. Sneaky. I don't like that they're pairing up fast guys with big, slow guys. Because they do it again in the next episode, I think. Yeah, because they, they are now doing a thing of Ray is the giant killer. Yeah, I don't like that. I want him to be able to be springy and move and quick. Like, that's why I like his matches with Billy Kidman, because they're both springy and quick. It's not just, like, one springy quick guy with big fucking Samoa Joe. I, see, I disagree. I think it, I think it highlights how springy and quick he is, because the other guy's not doing it. It's, like, by comparison, it's like, okay, I guess they just, they both do this. I guess, but I think, like, from a, like, wrestler standpoint... Having somebody who is also, like, quick and springy the way that you are gives you more to play with and more to bounce off of. That's why the cruiserweights are more fun. I would agree when you're world-class talent like Rey Mysterio, but, like, we saw Kidman versus Chavo, and it's like, okay, well, that, that one's oh, not yeah, as Chavo's good. not at this point, yeah. at least. I don't know, but I'm also glad to see him mixing it up with, you know, bigger names, no mm-hmm. pun intended. We'll see where that goes with Ray. They uh, mention in passing that he has a match with Kevin Nash uncensored. So we'll see what they do with him there. I think that's kind of the test of... Does this work? Well, are you actually going to push him or Uh is it Kevin Nash getting his win back decisively? And then it's like, well, okay. Yeah. Back down to the cruiserweights you go. Fair. With irreparable damage done to you. But isn't he just way more marketable without the mask? Oh my god, yeah. You could sell so many dolls of him. Kids love it. 
backstage we get um we get a we get a near time cop experience <laughs> of the same matter existing in the same space. Honestly, though. of because uh, I I tell can, me these two men don't look identical. Well, see, I can understand that, but tell me both of their names without looking at your notes. Oh, I already looked. <laughs> what is it? You have to remember it's, that. Uh, Scott Norton and Horace Hogan. I, in my brain, you said Scott Hogan. <laughs> in my brain, I said Scott Hogan too. But uh, yeah, Scott Horace and Norton Hogan. <laughs> you have me all <laughs> fucked up. God damn it. Horace Hogan tells Scott Norton that he's in charge of the NWL. Okay, so you're the man. Yep. We then go to the ramp where we get a Mean Gene interview with Kurt Hennig and Barry Windham. Big dad energy off oh these two. Oh my god, yeah. Especially with the oversized shirt Kurt Hennig's these wearing. These are fathers that just came from parent-teacher conference night. Were they, were they both drunk at, at parent-teacher conference night? Yes, as we will be. Wow, okay. Hennig talks about winning the titles, but he manages to put over Benoit and Dean Malenko of like, listen, they're real good. That's true. Yeah. And there's the line that depressed the fuck oh, out of me. Yeah, you got very sad. There's a difference between being good and being great. And I'm like, you wanted to say perfect, but you're not allowed to. Mm. Nor are you really perfect anymore. Not in this company. No, sir. No. So Gene floats the idea of having a rematch, and Barry Windham's like, nah, I don't want that shit. Hennig says their names will be on the belts for a long time, which prompts them to trade belts between the two of them. And I oh, noted, yeah. I don't think the there are names on these belts. Was that just like a rib, just for funsies? I guess. It, might, it threw me off, but I guess that was just, just a joke. Yeah, I think it was just a joke. But yeah, I don't think there are names on the belts. I don't know. And if there are, they're tag team champions. Shouldn't their name, their both names be on both? No, one. This belt is yours. This belt is his. Okay. But uh, they close with Hennig also not wanting the rematch of Malenko and Chris Benoit. However, that will be a match at Uncensored. Woo! We're slowly building an Uncensored card. Although it, I don't think any of them were mentioned on this. I think it's just me remembering the next oh. two episodes. We then go backstage again, and it's Scott Norton. He's with Hollywood Hogan, and he's like, what the fuck's going on, dude? Everyone's <laughs> telling me they're in charge. And Hogan's like... No, no, it's you. No, you're in charge. Oh, so I'm the man. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, if I was Scott Norton, I would be like, I'm out. Fuck this. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed that Scott Norton fell for it. Yeah. Like, you've seen everybody else fall for it. You're going to be just as stupid? Yeah. My dude. I was, I was like... Okay, you can I'm, do something interesting here. It's like, I'm no. over this storyline. After this segment, I was like, this is stupid. Why are we doing this storyline? But there's such a good payoff later on. No, there's not! <laughs> Let's go to the uh, main event in all the quotes I can possibly put in. <laughs> because it's the main event, but there is a there's two segments after this. Yeah, only one that we talk about, though. One we watched for funsies. Yes, we go to Goldberg versus Scott Steiner. I heard Michael Buffer, who's doing the announcing for this, seems a little more interested. Yeah, he definitely puts a little extra juice on this one. I got upset by Scott Snyder smashing that guy's camera on the way out. He just grabbed the photographer's camera and fucking Gronk spiked it. Like, oh, into, wow. into the I wing. I missed that. I must have been looking down at writing. The way he threw it, there's no way it didn't break. So, I'm like, I'm hoping that was, like, a shell of a camera. Oh, I'd hope so. Because that's expansive. It was at least, like, a photo camera, not one of, like, the... The massive, like, telephoto lens cameras? Well, I'm saying one of the, like, television cameras. Oh. 
you know, we didn't we didn't lose one of the angles for the for the, the match. match. Buff Bagwell then grabs the mic and kind of runs down Michael Buffer a bit. And he's like, oh, Goldberg's not here. And I'm like, we saw him. What about the photo shoot? We saw him earlier. Also, why do this? Let's say somebody believes you. It's like, okay, let's see what's on Raw then. True, because they're, they're going head to head right now. I mean, granted, maybe somebody else come out. But it, like, if they're if if you're like, oh, well, you know this guy? He's not here. It's like, okay. Okay, done. Bye. And then you go over to Raw. Like, and why wouldn't you? Yeah, then you go over to Raw and it's probably Steve Austin fucking... We're not quite a beer bash territory, but it's around around this time you have a ladder match with Mankind and The Rock in the main event. I'd be watching that. Yeah. Yeah, your options are that or Scott Snyder talking about how yeah. he's good at sex. Like, well, especially, especially because there's not a twist. Goldberg just comes out. Oh, yeah. Like, it'd be different if, like, you said it and then, oh, shit, Sting's back or something. Yeah, and then Scott Snyder kind of, like, randomly... Yells at people in the audience, like, oh, you want to fight me? I'll fight you. He offers like, to fight the this? white trash. What is this? Why are you just blatantly lying and being dumb? Why? Yeah. Goldberg's music then hits. And I actually was like, shit, are you going to be doing a swerve? Commentary is like, do they know something we don't? Because, like, okay, maybe you, like, took him out backstage and he's, like, injured. Yeah. Like, no, he just comes out. And then there's a match. It's normal. His head is still fucked up from sold out, we noted. Yes. He's still kind of bloody. Michael Buffer does note that Goldberg's apparently won. It was like 18 or 19 straight matches since losing at... Losing his streak? At Starcade. Oh, yeah, so I'm, I don't know if they'll do anything with that, but I found it interesting that they're loosely keeping track. Okay. Also, that must be mostly house shows, because that man's not wrestled 19 matches oh, on television. Oh, God, no. Maybe five. You might be overselling that. <laughs> oh, no. I thought you were going to be like, oh, no, it's more than five. No, it might be less. <laughs> Anyway, the match. Yeah. The match. Goldberg hits a big press slam right before commercial. And literally, he like has him up and they're throwing a commercial. Like, do not go it to commercial a, I before. I will give them credit. It was a good throw to commercial, though. Well, I'm saying, like, you have him up. And I'm like, you literally need to let us see this fucking... And the end of this move before you go to commercial. And they did. And they did. And I'm like, it okay. was a good cut to commercial. I'm yeah. going to give him that. Because, like, if that cut happened and I was watching, I'm like, oh, I would, I, I would stay. I would keep watching. Back from commercial, Buff grabs Goldberg's leg, so Goldberg chases him around the outside, which which I think was one of many times I went, especially with Goldberg, I'm like, kill him! Kill him! <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Anytime Buff Bagwell is put into some sort of mortal peril, you're like, yes, get him, die! <laughs> <laughs> I did it in the uh, third episode as well. But uh, while he's chasing him, Steiner blindsides him, with the ca- which the camera completely misses. Yeah. They're just both in the ground. Commentary notes the uh, challenge Goldberg made on Jay Leno. However, they don't mention who was against still. I missed that. I missed that note. I'm not listening to commentary. I fucking hate commentary. Yeah, it's when he challenged Steve Austin and Goldberg fucking didn't want to do it. Oh, do they mention that in this match? They mention that he challenged somebody. Oh. They don't say Steve Austin. Well, yeah, because that's dumb. Steve Austin has like, too much respect for himself. But like, we've still heard no answer. It's like, you're not gonna. No. I think we missed it, but it's like when Eric Bischoff challenged Vince McMahon to a fight on pay-per-view. On WCW pay-per-view. That was never going to happen. No. And then it's like, all right, count me the winner because he didn't show up. No, that's not how that works. They did. Shut up. Steiner hits a big belly-to-belly suplex as Buff tries to remove the turnbuckle. And the ref just kind of comes over and is like, 
hey, what are you doing? You need to stop that. <laughs> and then Buff just pulls him into the turnbuckle. Yeah. They then uh, attack him a bit more and throw him out of the ring. Goldberg reverses an Irish whip, but the pad isn't fully removed yet. So oh Goldberg is now whipping Steiner into the corner, and Buff has to very quickly, like, rip oh, yeah. it off, slide it out he, of the like, way. He, like, spidey sensed that thing off. Like, it was, a, it was like a cat. Yeah. It was so quick. However, considering it's his partner, it actually made his great reflexes look bad because he just fucked over his partner. Oh, true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's what I was laughing about of you have this spot and you see it's Scott running toward the turnbuckle and oh, you pulled wow. it out of I the way. Even, I was so focused on how good of a like catch that was by Buff that I didn't even realize. I didn't think about it. Damn. Yeah. It's like, oh. They don't, they don't mention it. No. no. So, like, I mean, like you could have been like, oh, shit. You did that on purpose, maybe. No, they don't do anything. No. Goldberg then hits a big spear on Buff Bagwell, which I was like, yes. <laughs> Murder. They then both go to leave, but then we get a surprise return, and Rick Steiner comes out and Did blindsides him. Did I not him. call it? Did I not earlier in the in this episode be like, oh, hey, Rick Steiner, where the hell's Rick Steiner been? That's not calling his return, I kind of called it. You asked where a guy was. I who recognized that he was gone, and now he's here. The guy who they mentioned is being gone. You're like, where is he? I think I kind of called it. I was very proud of myself when he came out. They declare Goldberg the winner by DQ because they attack the ref. And the NWO comes down to help, but Stevie Ray just tosses Vincent in the ring and then Goldberg spears him. Yeah, they just kill Vincent. I thought it was an okay return for Rick. It was kind of an uneventful return, unfortunately. Yeah. Where, like, it started kind of hot, but then they didn't do anything. He just gets in the ring and they beat up Vincent, which isn't really a big return. So it's like. Yeah, yeah well, it was kind of, it was flat for a return, but I didn't hate the match. It, I wouldn't say it was flat, but it wasn't hot. Because it was like, the crowd was happy to see him, and we were like, oh shit, Rick Steiner. It's like, I'm glad to see him back, but I wish they had done more with it. Yeah. Thoughts on the actual match? I really didn't hate it. Yeah, I noted this match was exactly what it should right. have been. Right. Is what I, I think is what I said to you. Of, you know, they didn't fuck around, they didn't do 10 minutes of rest holds. Right. It's like, yeah, this is... This was good. I was very, very pleased with this match, which was the main event. However, afterwards, we go to... We didn't really take notes on it, but afterwards what is else, a... What we have noted on? It is a... What was the exact uh, terminology? It was a Nitro Girls like swimsuit, swimsuit expo. It was softcore porn. Yes. Hello, ladies. It literally, it was just close-up shots designed for you to jerk off to. Close-up, slow-mo. It turned into girls kind of like playing with beach balls. Like, the way the way you do this is, you know, you intercut with interviews from them talking about, like, you know, we, we feel great doing this or yada, something. Have them talk. Oh, this no, is no. just slow-motion shots of women's bodies, and I'm like... Yeah. It was a little uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. It was weird. Listen, I'm... Like, I'm women a, are attractive. Listen, I'm a red-blooded American, but uh, I was like... Mm. Yeah, it was kind of gross. 
It was just the connotation. I'm like, what else could this be for? And there was there was one point where like our favorite Nitro girl, the bubbly blonde one, who's like super energetic, she had like three beach balls that she was just kind of fondling <laughs> and playing with. It wasn't like, sexy. Oh, no, it wasn't sexy. It was weird. But we're like, good. Don't be sexy. I th- although I think it was here where I realized one of these women becomes Shawn Michaels' wife. Oh, yeah. Yes, who gets punched in the mouth by Chris Jericho in 2008. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. I would say we, we, we'll get there. But we will not. We will not. <laughs> so we go to backstage because we still have not done the Flair family confrontation. And Tony says... That Ric Flair still hasn't arrived. They have already done the main event for this show and Ric Flair is not here. It is like 11 o'clock. The show's over. <laughs> and you're late. How late can you if be? Anything, actually, yes, the show is over. You have your private shit, which they will be filming. But in yeah. terms of your event is over. Yeah. You're the president. And you didn't show up. So a limo finally arrives and they say it's Rick. I don't think we... I don't think we see him. I don't think so either. Because the feed then cuts out because... Remember uh, earlier when Disco said he was going to pirate the feed? They actually, yeah, they cut back to it right beforehand. Because I think the, oh, the guy is like, you know what, I can't do it. I have professional ethics. And then it just happens anyway. Yeah. It cuts oh, to... Doesn't, he, doesn't the guy in the truck say something like, I can't do it because of my ethics. But if you did it... Yeah, which I guess Disco knows how to operate. Yeah, I guess. Because earlier he was like, I need the exact coordinates of the satellite. Which is 1999. Maybe you do. I don't know. I, I don't know. So we then go to a uh, pre-recorded NWO skit, which had a lot of complicated feelings for us. Yeah. It started so, out really weird and creepy and bad and I hated it. So I'll try to run through it as best I can. So it starts off with... it. Oh, first off, it's all in black and white because it's of NWO. Course. And it's... David Flair and Tori Wilson sitting in this, like, weird kind of blank void, you know, where they do WWE interviews. It's like, it's somewhere. So his head is, like, just resting on her boobs, and he's just kind of in a trance. Yeah, he's staring into nothing. It's that 20-yard stare. We get Disco Inferno dressed up as Mean Gene coming to interview David Flair. And David Flair is like, I'm the new and improved Space Mountain which, for those keeping score at home, that is Hyperspace Mountain in Disneyland in California. No and, one was keeping which has, uh, which has Star Wars theming now. We then get Kevin Nash as R.N. Anderson with, it seemed like pretty good makeup and prosthetics at first. And then I think something happens and he sweats failing, it through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he does some, uh, some light alcoholism jabs before being heavy handed a little bit later on. Yeah. We get Scott Hall as Roddy Piper in very lazy. I think he's just wearing a kill. I don't think yeah. he even tries. <laughs> We get Vincent as I want to say Wildcat Willie. I don't really yeah, know who he's supposed tell. to be. I don't think he talks during this. He doesn't. We then get Hogan as Ric Flair, which was amazing. And Hogan as Ric Flair, we get it. We get our mean. Woo! By God! Woo! Jeez, that's me. And I think at this point. You were getting mad because you were finding Hogan funny and everything was making you upset that you were enjoying it. He saved the segment for me. He does a pretty it good really comedy Ric Flair impression because he starts doing the getting undressed mid promo <laughs> too. Good. And he was pretty. He was pretty good. And then they throw another alcoholism joke at R, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then they bring in toy horses, and it really jumps the shark oh, yeah. with them doing a bunch of neighing. 
And I think this is where Disco calls her Tori Wilson. It, it's just a mess. However, we both laughed really hard at Disco as Mean Gene doing the like, oh, we can't tell you all the salacious details here, but if you call the hotline, we can tell you there. And I'm like, that joke was too real, but was fucking oh, it was hilarious. So funny. Like this segment was uncomfortable and horrible until Hulk Hogan came out. I, yeah, because I started, I'm like... Which is saying a lot. Because it wasn't as bad as you would think it would be. It does jump the shark with the the horse neighing, doing, a, you know... Yeah. But it was tolerable I overall. I just think they need to stop giving David Flair a space to talk or to be, basically. Yeah. He's not good at this. You need to stop it with him because anytime he's on screen, I get itchy. I don't like it. But... Once he stopped talking and they took the camera off of him, it was kind of a funny, enjoyable sketch. Yeah, and, and Ho- Hogan is great here as he Ric really, Flair. I do hate it, but he actually saved this segment. He is why uh, this segment was enjoyable. Like I said, this being the weird... The show ends after this, which yeah. is just a weird way to end it. But uh, I, I don't think it's worth checking out. But if you were watching the episode, Oh, yeah, skip don't it. go seek it out. It was just... Yeah, if you were watching, that was a good way to end it, but... Yeah, so that was the first episode. Overall, pretty good. Yeah. I don't think there's anything we hated on this. I don't think so. So let's move on to the March 1st, 1999 Monday Nitro. Because we peaked at Thunder and there was nothing. Oh, yeah. We start in a limo and David Flair is playing voicemails from his dad for Tori Wilson. And they're just... They're just mumble talking over the voicemails. That's it. I would say they're mocking him, but they're not saying anything. They're not saying anything. He says like... Hey, call me back. And like, oh, call me back. It's like, what? Yeah, it, the, all the voicemails are just like, David, this is your father. I've been calling you a lot. You need to call me back. We need to talk about this. Like They're Rick, very serious fatherly. Rick is being very reasonable. Yes. They're like, just, like shockingly they're just so. father voicemails to his son. And he's just like, oh, my dad wants me to call him back. <laughs> like, fuck off. Call your dad. I think this is the one where we also open with a... Long discussion between Ric Flair and Arnold Anderson, which aired on Thunder, of people are concerned that ba- basically that Ric Flair isn't processing his grief is oh, the yeah. short version of it. Of like, you're kind of being weird about this in that you're not acknowledging that you're being David weird turned that on you're you. Not being weird. Yeah, it's like Rick, I'm worried about you. You're like n- not doing anything about this. So they also imply that Rick is going to retire tonight. Yes. Very randomly. Yeah, it's not really built up to it at all. Like, why would he retire? In the arena, Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell come out. Scott says the fans aren't going to see Diamond Dallas trash. (laughs) Buff gets some good cheap heat referencing Duke because they are in Chapel Hill, which is... They're actually on the campus for uh, UNC, which that's a big basketball rivalry if you're not aware. Oh, I do know. I do know. Because there's also a rivalry between University of Maryland and Duke. And when my sister, there was, when my sister was at Maryland, there was a big thing. Yeah, I think that's more everybody hates Duke. I don't think. Maybe it's that. You know the line from Mad Men where it's like, I feel sorry for you. I don't think about you at all. Yeah. Don Draper is Duke there. I feel like that, yeah. That's probably accurate. So they challenge Goldberg and mention Rick Steiner's return and that's pretty much the segment. Yep. Brief, wasn't bad. Mm Mm-mm. A little bit later, we get Kevin Nash, Lex Luger, Miss Elizabeth, and Disco Inferno coming out to the stage. Did you notice that they were kind of like making fun of Disco Inferno during this? Who's they? Lex, Miss Elizabeth, and um, Kevin. I guess I missed it. So the three of them stayed back up at the top of the ramp, and Disco did his little disco shimmy whatever big energy 
all the way down the ramp. So the other three were just, like, laughing and pointing at him, like, Disco, what the fuck are you doing? I couldn't tell if it was, like, shooter fake, because they actually looked like they were actually genuinely laughing, and it was kind of funny. At least you found something to enjoy in this promo. That was it. <laughs> yeah, Luger's like, I forgive Rey Mysterio. And Nash says he does, too. Eddie offers Rey to join the NWL and offers him a massive shirt. Again, with the shirt-based storyline with fucking Rey Mysterio. Why are we doing this? But we should note, Ray is not out here for this. So Nash then calls Ray on his cell phone. Which I think this whole promo was just to brag that Kevin Nash has a cell phone. Yeah. Because it was on his belt and everything. It was just like, I have a cell phone. And Nash just relays, like, oh, you're not interested? Okay. And that was it. Yeah. It's bizarre. And then they just walk off. Yeah, that's it. That segment. We then go backstage, and Arn Anderson scolds David Flair. And Tori's there, too. Yeah, Tori's always there now. Tori calls Arn jealous. David still has no charisma. Arn keeps calling Tori that. <laughs> That's why I said at the beginning, they call her that woman. Arn points out, like, you know they're using you, right? Like, are you fucking stupid? Apparently, yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> Arn gives him a warning. And, yeah, Tori's just kind of taunting Arn the whole time. However, Arn is carrying this segment. Oh, yeah. Any segment that David Flair is in, whoever is also in that segment is carrying the segment. Yeah, I just realized we were in the end of the last show. It starts with David Flair and Tori, and then they just sit there and do nothing. That's what I'm saying. As soon as they stop putting the camera on David and Tori, that segment gets so much better. Did you notice what Tori's reasoning for why everyone's so upset about this whole thing is? I think I missed this. Obviously, this whole thing is only an issue because Arn Anderson and Ric Flair are jealous of David because he has a hot girlfriend. Obviously. Moving on. Backstage, Hulk Hogan tells Vincent he's the leader (sighs) and he has to keep Stevie Ray in line. And it's like, yeah, next time you see him, you should just like, next time he acts out, you should like hit him understand where this came from i mean they, they've had issues however i don't understand why the wolf pack is bothering with it was just like no nah, you guys are gone fuck off yeah i think of it as just like are they bored are they just trying to like incite drama i guess because it's not like even unified these guys would be a threat so i don't know but we get our first match of this episode. We get Bam Bam Bigelow versus Rey Mysterio. Which is another, like, this is the match I was talking about with the last episode, that it's another small, fast guy versus big, slow guy. And yeah, this is where Rey comes out in jeans, confirming. I'm like, oh, I think you're done. I think you're retired. Who's that Pokemon? I did note, this match, sponsored by Joe Boxer. Oh, because Rey's boxer. He's wearing, like, the really saggy jean pants, and the whole time his boxers are showing. So the whole match, you can see the Joe Boxer logo. So in the match, Bigelow catches Ray midair and hits a world's strongest slam. He then press slams Ray to the outside onto sudden security guards. Yeah, where the hell did they come from? Yeah, just they're like kind of in like in the ramp, which is on like the diagonal. And Ray kind of lands on him. Not enough. It looks sore. I did note, like mentally, I didn't write it down. They look like wrestlers. They are definitely wrestlers because like... The people that you see in the audience in those yellow shirts, they are not the same kind of people that were in that group. of. They were, they were all like tall, strong men with pierced ears and fun haircuts. Like, 
They were not security guards. <laughs> or sometimes you get the reverse where somebody notable is sitting in the crowd and, oh, who's this very large man sitting next right. to them? <laughs> Bam Bam works over Ray, fighting off a few attempted comebacks. He hits a dominator and then a falling headbutt. He goes for the pin but picks up a two. Ray dodges a diving headbutt and starts to come back. Bigelow catches him with a clothesline and suddenly it's the second hour of Nitro. Oh my god, yeah, this scared me. Like, this threw me off. Because they're both down and all of a sudden the Nitro music hits and then Pyro goes off on the stage. And I'm like, like, that's pretty fucking rude. And then it goes off above the ring and then like the pyro on the post goes off and i'm like what is happening to me it looks like someone just bumped the button that says okay start the show and all this beginning of show pyro goes and all the music and everything but it's 99 so there's no way there's an all-encompassing button for a minute i thought it was well that's a time limit draw here we're now in the second hour because they were both down i thought that they were calling the match yeah but no, they just continue it after it all this power so random. I've never seen that before. Yeah, so the match keeps going. We were both so confused. We were so lost. I, I, I kept trying to think of like reasons why it happened. And I kept thinking like, oh, it was a mistake, like whatever. And you're like, no. That's to just... where I literally have like the finish note after this. Cause I, I was even both, both so thrown off. Ray accidentally low blows Bigelow and then does like a Hurricane Rana type roll up for the win. Oh, I did note that Bigelow pushed Mysterio into the corner and Rey Mysterio just like rebounds and falls into his dick. Yeah, that's the accidental low blow. <laughs> it was just, it was really funny to me to watch it because it was just like, bam, in the corner and then on your dick. So he retains his giant killer name. Yeah, wasn't bad, but was, The was most fine. entertaining part of that match was the fuck up in the middle. I don't like Bam Bam Bigelow. I think yeah. I'm coming to that realization too. I do not like matches he's in. Overall... Fine, fine TV match. I mean, yeah. it, it, it it's put in over Ray. It served yeah. its purpose. It did. Moving on, we go backstage of Ray getting interviewed by Mean Gene and almost immediately gets blindsided by Luger and This annoyed and me Nash. too because this, was, this could have been a very nice, sweet interview from Ray because he was just like, Gene was trying to like make the best of a bad situation. Like, hey, you're getting all these like big man matches. Maybe the mess coming off as a blessing. And then Ray goes into this whole thing about... How he's representing the small guys and how the small guys should have opportunities like this too. And then fucking bully NWO bitches come in. And they're just like, fuck you. Go away. I don't recall anything overly sarcastic, so I was fine with it. They weren't overly sarcastic, but it was still just the interrupting. I'm tired of them disrespecting Brave Mysterio. Yeah, that's kind of my bar right now is what's the sarcasm level on this promo? How much will I enjoy it? I'm tired of them bullying my boy. So we did miss one thing on Thunder, which comes up in the next segment. Raven has finally actually returned from Florida. Yay. Darn, yeah. we won't get any of those weird Florida segments anymore. Also, he returned on Thunder. Really tells you yeah, the quality. they don't give a shit about Raven. What about, I, I, what about Raven? And I think I was right. In, his sister is now with him. Yeah, you did kind of call that. I don't really know who she is. I don't know how long she's around. I don't know if she is anybody, but she's there. She is a person. It's Raven, his sister, and Canyon. It's kind of the the trio. Yeah, I like it. I like them. And Raven's pissed at Bam Bam Bigelow and Hack for saying they're hardcore. And he's like, no, I'm the one who's hardcore. They're really trying to do an ECW feud without saying ECW at any point. Oh, really? It's really what they're trying to do. But backstage, Bam Bam Bigelow and Raven really awkwardly brawl. 
Like, it looks like shoot fighting a little bit too much to where it's not entertaining. And then Hack just comes in with a kendo stick, hits them both, and then hits the camera. Yes, (laughs) which fucks up the camera a little bit. Yes, the lens hood on the camera kind of (laughs) tilts, is my guess. Yeah, that's what it looked like. And that's that segment. So we'll likely see that in some sort of hardcore match. I think that is a match at Uncensored. Cool. So also, also backstage, Nash, Luger, and Disco egg on Stevie Ray. And they're like, oh, you should fight Vincent next time he fucks up. I don't know why they're pitting these guys against each other. Makes no sense to me. I don't know. It's one of those, I'll wait to see how it ends before I really call it shit. But right now, it's not good television. I'm wondering if we saw how it ends. No, they'll, they'll, have, think that was the they'll have a match at some point. I have low hopes. So next up, we get the sequel for Spring Breakout. Do you want to take us through this one? I took like no notes on this because I just I'm confused. They're like driving across the country. I can't tell the t- the timeline, where they're going, why they're doing it. I don't know. I can't figure it so, out. So yeah, they're in Raleigh and they meet up. I think it's with the same girl. She looks similar enough. Yeah, it could be the same girl. And I guess it, I think it's implied that Scott bangs her, and that's pretty much it. That's it. But they're on the episode, so at least with the Canyon and Raven thing when they were in Florida, at least that was still like within the same timeline of like, okay, so they're not going to be in the ring doing a match because they're in Florida. If they were doing that with Scott Steiner and Buff, they're like, okay, they're driving across the country, so they're not going to be in the ring doing matches. That would make more sense. But they're just... They drove at some point. Yeah. I don't know. It will get dumber. That doesn't make me feel better. We get our next match. We get Bret Hart versus Chris Benoit. You mean Bret Hart in singles action. Yes. (laughs) Uh, As they're coming out, commentary notes that the rematch for the tag titles will happen in Uncensored. So we'll get Barry Windham and Kurt Heading against Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit. That actually could be good. Yeah, I... I didn't love their match at Super Brawl, but I think it just went too long was kind of the issue. And speaking of going too long, maybe it's because it went too long. Maybe it's because we saw a very similar match the week before. But This was a boring match. Yeah, both of us were not in this match. And I was making me sad because I'm like, oh, Hart and Benoit. I I know we've Mm -hmm. seen this before, but I'm like. It should be really good. Yeah. But, we, like, I kept zoning out and looking at you, and you were on your phone, and then I would try to zone in, and I would fall out of it, and it's just, like, it was just corner, punchy, chain yeah, wrestling, kind of nothing. It's just showing that Brett's getting a little formulaic. Yes. There is, there was a nice spot, which kind of perked us both up, of Brett going for a sharpshooter, and Benoit managed to get him down and puts him in the crossface. That was sick, yes. They had one move. Back from commercial, Brett had Benoit in the figure four, but Benoit was in the ropes. On commentary, they referenced that recently Benoit hit a top-of-the-cage diving headbutt. Oh. I'm like, wait, when was this? Where was there a cage? I don't know, but I'm like, Jesus. Like that. that that's terrifying. Yeah, I don't want to see that. Thing. It's, I, I still get sad thinking about Chris Benoit because like, I still really like watching him in wrestling. I like watching him when we were doing it in 2002. It's hard. Yeah, I... It's hard to be a fan of his knowing what he becomes. Yes, and I'm happy that Nancy Benoit is no longer on television at this point, because I think if she was, we would be a lot... We would be a lot more uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, they try to do a spot where 
Benoit reverses like a back suplex to the outside, and they both tumble over the ropes. And oh my god! Yeah, they say Benoit hurt. like landed on the apron, but Brett almost lands on his goddamn head. We were both like, "Oh god, don't do that spot again." Yeah, that hurt. Like I understand what you were going for, and I don't know how it ended up as sloppy as it did. Mm-hmm. But it was like, "Oh shit!" That looked painful. And it looked so bad that I questioned the timing of something because Brett gets back in the ring. And then Kurt Hennig and Barry Windham run out. And I assume their spot was planned, but I'm almost wondering, was that a, oh shit, let's have these guys run in now just in case Brett's fucked up. Maybe, yeah. It had also gone for a while, so I could see that also being the normal spot in which that would have been. But they come down, they beat up Chris Benoit with Brett kind of distracting the ref. And they throw him back in the ring. Brett locks in the sharpshooter, but Benoit's in the ropes. One, come on, Brett, come on, come on, what are you doing? Two, he gets all the way to five, so tells him to break it again, and then doesn't, and then finally he DQs him, and I'm like... Like, thank God it ended in a DQ. Yeah. But still, like, that was pushing it. So Benoit wins by DQ, but... <laughs> Actually, after an eternity, Brett after wins. Eternity. Brett loses by DQ. So the three of them then work him over. Dean Malenka comes down to help, but he also gets beat down by Hennig and Wyndham. And so we're setting up for the pay-per-view match. This was another man match. It didn't pick up as much as the Booker mm-hmm. T one. So No, this one was pretty boring. This is the match that I made the note of. Like, I guess I'm not as big of a Bret Hart fan as I thought I was. Yeah, it was it was disappointing. It was just boring. I felt a very similar way about this as I do a lot of the Chris Jericho Perry Saturn matches where I'm like, this should be better. Yes, agreed. But I think it also was hurt by the fact that there was no sense of story attached. Mm-mm. Yeah, like, these were just like two guys. Like the Booker T, Bret Hart ones. Like, okay, number one contenders match. Something's on the line. Here it's like, Bret lost by DQ. Okay, what does it matter? Fine. Because remembering that is a trend. I might, I'd be almost be curious to see his like win-loss record around this time. Because I feel like he loses most of his matches by DQ. Really? I'm really thinking about it. He gets DQ'd quite a bit. Hmm. Which is ironic because these refs don't seem to want to DQ. I know. So, yeah, Jesus, we're winding, we're really going through this episode. We then get the NWO coming out. It's most of them, but really it's about Hogan. It's the Wolfpack plus Stevie Ray with Hogan and Horace. Well, I mean, Steiner's not out there. Buff's not out there. Hall's not there. It's it's a couple of the guys, which fucking Disco Inferno's getting a lot of TV time. I know. Nash does his weird face bullshit of Chapel Hill, hey, Wolfpack. Insert like, city here. Wolfpack in the house. Like, like, stop. Cool. Yeah, Nash just keeps playing to the crowd. I'm like, you're the big heel group. Like, we talked about Norman Smiley. Like, listen, you're trying to get something. Mm-hmm. But then again, Scott Steiner is calling them white trash and calling them lazy and fat. And they're like, yeah. True. True, true, true. So, you know, people be dumb. I mean, I think that is the conclusion we have to come to when it comes to heel heat. Like, people are stupid. Yeah. People don't care if they're being insulted as long as they're being insulted by people that they like. Because Hogan doesn't really do it. Hogan, especially in this promo, is like, yeah, he's a heel. He doesn't do the weird face bullshit. I mean, his whole promo is pretty much a very generic heel promo. Like, I live nothing interesting from it. The only th- interesting slash weird thing that happens is in the middle of cutting his promo, 
Stevie Ray and Vincent start fighting. Yeah. And Hogan no-sells it. He just talks through it. And like, nothing's happening. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, Hogan treated it like a shoot. Just like, just keep going. And, you know, they'll sort it out over there. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I, I, honestly, I have nothing else to say about yeah, this. Yeah, there was really nothing to say. It was literally just that beatdown that happened. <laughs> It was just so strange. And, like, that's what I thought. They're like, okay, this is what they were leading up to. This is the Stevie Ray Vincent payoff. But they just did nothing with it. They completely no-sold it. It was just, it was weird. It was so strange. Yeah, so they have a match uncensored. Great. I think it's for leadership of NWO by night. Between Stevie Ray and Vincent? Yes. Stevie Ray. Wait, wait a minute. Stevie Ray was never one of the people who got told. No, he wasn't. And once again, yeah, so much for the uh, Stevie Ray Booker T storyline. Oh, yeah. Remember when they were brothers? I mean, they still are. Let's move on. We get a uh, Mean Gene interview with, I wrote, Denature Boy. Denature Boy. In all caps, but he's pretty restrained to start this promo. We were kind of disappointed. I thought it was funny because it's like, he knows where he is. He knows what they want. But he's like, I'm going to keep it chill for a minute. Yeah, he actually. Yeah, it. he actually says that like I'm, I'm going to build up to it. Yeah, because we were ready for a fucking massive. Oh my god! Yeah, Mean Gene, and then we didn't get it at all. I think he might do a Mean Gene. He does, yeah. But like the only Mean Gene we get in this build, and unless <laughs> I'm wrong, Hogan. is Hogan as Flair. Yes, to be fair, it was pretty fucking great. It was great, but that's the only one we get in this whole build. So Flair recaps the last few weeks. It's it's a bit of a rambly promo. There is a line. Of he talks about like you know twenty years ago, I met this you know blonde and changed my life, kind of thing. Trying to relate to David's mom, David. I well, yeah, it's David's mom, but he's trying to relate to I guess David and Tori. Right, and Rick has a line about like, and she knows who the Nature Boy is. I thought he was talking about David's mom. They imply next week that he was talking about Tori Wilson. I didn't quite get what they were going for there, so it, I didn't realize they were going for Tori Wilson. I thought he was like. I banged your mom good. So Flair gets fired up and notes that he's the president for 28 more days. And I actually note when he was coming out, I'm like, he's probably almost out of time. Like, yeah. 28 more days. He books a barbed wire steel cage match for him and Hogan. There will be no door on the cage. I guess you have to win by pinfall or s- submission. I guess, yeah. Because he keeps saying, like, Two men enter, one man leaves. I'm like, but there's no door. How do you leave? Barbed wire steel cage match. I wrote, my time to blade is six seconds. <laughs> I didn't even think about the time Rick's, Rick's going to climb over the cage with the barbed wire and cut himself before yeah. the match starts. I'm, I'm like warily excited about this. Because like it could be really cool, but it's also Hogan and Flair. And they are old, slow men. That don't really do big power moves, so like yeah, and th- it could be really lame. The next nitro got me less excited for that match, but he says after he's through with Hogan, they won't want to be like Mike. They'll want to be like the Nature Boy. The Nature Boy. Which, if you're confused at that, listening, it, he's referencing because they're at UNC. Michael Jordan went to UNC. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yes, sports. So that's the Flair promo, and let's move on to the main event, which. It kind of, the show kind of limped to the main event, it felt like. It really like. did. It was like, oh, main event is Buff Bagwell and Scott Steiner versus Rick Steiner and Goldberg. It was yeah. like, I don't know. It just, it didn't feel, 
like a massive let's end the show on this. It also didn't feel like that because Michael Buffer didn't announce them. Yes, we noted that. It was Dave Penzer. Mm-hmm. Slash the guy you can't hear because commentary is talking over him. Right. But I was thinking, like, maybe that's why Michael Buffer put a little extra juice on last week. He was hoping to get, like, a, a pay bonus to cover his absence this week. With their look and their promos and Scott Snyder constantly talking about white trash, <laughs> in my head canon, the Steiner's father is Frank Reynolds from Always Sunny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see that. Picture Scott Snyder saying he's facing the, the trash man. The trash man. <laughs> Just overall, I just look at these men and how they sound, and I'm like, yeah, Danny DeVito is Frank Reynolds and oh, Always Sunny. Sure. The crowd does seem really into this match, though. Like, they are alive. Yes, and they come really alive for Goldberg tagging in early on, because yeah. I, I honestly thought he was only going to get the hot tag. And commentary actually notes, like, yeah, it's rare we see him in a tag team match. I I thought he looked good. I yeah, and they're like, they're like, is this the only one? It's like, no, it can't be. It's like... Maybe not, but you pretty much only talk about Goldberg in these matches. This match is really good early on. Like, it's a lot of big boy offense. Goldberg hits a massive, like, multiple, like, press rep, press slam to uh, Steiner. Mm. So I think this speaks to the weird return last week. But having Rick and Scott face off doesn't feel special here. I I don't know. I guess there just wasn't enough, like, build to it. I don't know if it's that or it's the fact of who's Rick's partner. True. We also just never watched. We never saw them have a conversation. Yeah. Talk anything out. Yeah. I think it's a mix of the weird return and the fact of Rick's partner is a infinitely bigger star. I mean, no- I mean, Rick had Rick was doing really well before he got hurt. I remember like we were really enjoying his oh, matches, yeah. but like here he just doesn't feel important. No. He feels, frankly, on the same level as Buff Bagwell, which I was thinking on the same level as um like Roddy Piper. Well, yeah, I guess in terms of a weird botched return well, followed by <laughs> I was just thinking like like I know you love Roddy Piper or you give more of a shit about him than I do, but I don't know. He seems kind of unimportant. We do get a interesting spot, which both of us liked in this. So Scott Snyder removes the turnbuckle pad, and they are sliding the pad on and off when people whipped into the corner mm-hmm. to hide the ref from seeing it. And which I'm was like, really good. Yeah, I've literally never seen that spot. I'm like, oh shit, that's clever. However, commentary does note that's great tag team wrestling right there. I'm like, no, no, that's illegal. But like, it's good to watch, but it's not good tag team wrestling. I think it's illegal. It's funny. I think we only see it here because they're like weirdly hooked up to the ropes mm-hmm. as opposed to WWE's which are like tied yeah because these they're just like cutting with um these they wires have, I guess I don't know these they have to actually like cut WWE ones I've seen people just rip them open mm-hmm. yeah and this is where the match slows down oh, so yeah. for them to work over Rick Steiner to build to a hot tag oh Goldberg did use um rick steiner's real name which prompted us to look it up oh yeah because i hear goldberg on the side going get him robbie and so i look at nick i'm like is rick steiner's real name robert and he's like no that's not right his name's rick yeah it it was robert like rick steiner yeah (laughs) he called him robbie so goldberg gets the hot tag and cleans house they go to whip goldberg into the exposed turnbuckle but he manages to basically defy the physics of how irish whips work and leapfrogs Rick Steiner, who's on the ground, and then stops. Because mm-hmm. it's one of those, if you Irish with somebody, they have to go until they hit something. That, that's just the yeah, rules yeah. of wrestling. But he manages... It's just like a Newton's gravity law. An object in motion stays in motion. 
Sure. Keeping kayfabe, brother. I'm not wrong. <laughs> so we leave Frog's Rick, who then clotheslines the two. Goldberg spears Buff Bagwell, but Steiner breaks up a jackhammer attempt. The two of them brawl as Rick sets up for a Steiner bulldog on Buff Bagwell, who is like facing the wrong way. So it's like a mm. weird kind of diving clothesline yeah. instead. And Rick gets the pin while they're just awkwardly brawling kind of in like the ring. Sort of, kind of. Yeah, it's like a... It no, was a weird ending. Yeah, it was a little bit of... A little flat. It wasn't a bad match. No, it wasn't bad. It, was, it did have its entertaining moments. It's a fine television tag match. Exactly. There is the line from Rick Steiner, the dog pound is loose and Goldberg's holding the chain. Which implies that the dog is not loose if the dog is on a chain. Really summed up Rick Steiner's push right now. (laughs) Man, I'm getting a push, but it's really Goldberg. Right. Overall, mediocre episode of Nitro. Wasn't horrendous, but a lot of nothing. The Bret Hart match. Disappointed. Yeah. So let's move on to the... March 8th, 1999, Nitro. We are nearing the point of two years away from WCW being dead. Wow. So this episode of Nitro is special. This episode of Nitro almost broke me. There is no wrestling in the first hour. Not only is there no wrestling, we don't even go to the arena in the first hour. This episode almost broke me. So it's the main first thing we get is some video about a Nitro girl and her dog. I don't care. So we skip it. We then get an NWO package. And it's Hulk Hogan talking about everybody hating him. It seemed like weirdly shoot documentary of like. Yeah, it's it's like a sit down. Hated men. But yeah, he also retcons his entire WWE run. Yeah. He's like, I did it all for the money. Yeah. He also mocks Flair for loving wrestling, and he mocks Flair for no-selling the David Flair stuff. So they are really hammering home. It's like, you know, it's weird that you don't seem to care about your son. Yeah, Hogan starts, like, painting him like, Rick Flair is the real villain here. He cares about wrestling more than he cares about his family falling apart. He doesn't care that he lost his son. He's the villain. But I'm the most hated man in wrestling. He calls Flair the rottenest person on Earth. Which is just, it's strange that hearing that come from... He also claims that Flair only wants to run WCW to feed his own ego. Notably, he offers total control of WCW for life if Flair wins their match at Uncensored. But Is that his to offer? He said Bischoff gave him the okay. Oh, okay. But if Flair loses, we will never see Ric Flair again. He will just go away. So that's how you know that Ric Flair wins. So we go from that Hogan package... To a different Hulk Hogan package. It's him and Nash just literally watching the Flair segment from last week and just doing commentary over yeah. it. Yeah. But again, mumble commentary. I Yeah. It, I wrote, this is weird and bad. Yes. I'm like, is this more an instance of bad television or more an instance of being self-indulgent? I mean, I know I wrote this is stupid. This is all stupid. Like this is just stupid. And once again, they are hammering in that Rick doesn't seem to care about David. Yeah, Kevin Nash says it's better to be the nature boy than to be a father. Apparently. Yeah, and this is where they also insinuate that oh, did Rick bang Tori? And I'm like, I thought he was talking about his wife. So right, right, right. Yeah. 
Because I don't understand how they got there. Yeah, th- this also goes on for a while. They literally just watch the whole fucking promo and, and pause, over, and they yeah. pause to make jokes. Ugh, it, it is very self-indulgent, you're right. We then get another spring breakout segment with uh, Buff Bagwell and Scott okay. Steiner. Do you want to run us through this one? So this one starts with them in their Hummer um, van limo, whatever you want to call it, driving erratically. They get pulled over by a cop. And the cop is like, we got to give you a ticket, but um, if you do some police work for us, we'll let you off the hook. So the guys are like, okay. And these officers just give them badges to go off and do some police work. So they like, you know find guys whose meter is up and parking or littering in an airport. I don't fucking know. It was really dumb. And the one guy whose parking meter was expired, the two of them literally lifted this poor guy up by his ankles and shook him until change came out of his pockets. And then they like go back to the police officer or the the police station and they're like, okay, we're done. And they're just off the hook. And that's kind of it. It's fucking stupid. Next up, we get a. <laughs> nope. Next up, we get uh, Hogan and Ash going to a shooting range, which Tori Wilson's at, and they Samantha. they call her. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, is Samantha here?" It's like, what the fuck's her name? Is generic blonde lady here? So they literally say, "Hey, make sure you put on ear protection." To which they don't. He okay. So the guy behind the desk says, "Put on ear protection." They walk through two doors. I noted there were two different doors they walked through that said. Please make sure you have ear protection on. And they still don't. So, yeah, they, they're they like, okay, we need a new plan for David Flair. You know, he, basically, Flair's no selling the David thing, so we need to get a different way to get to him. They mumble through the, almost all of this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are they trying to bang Tori? I can't tell. I feel like Kevin Ash is. <laughs> in sh- shoot or kayfabe? Both. Probably in shoot. Friendly reminder that her and Billy Kidman were married for a little bit. <gasps> Damn, Billy. Get it, boy. So we then go to them in a different vignette. They're, Another. They're, they're at dinner. And they're all drinking wine. And apparently plan B is bringing in another woman. And they keep talking about like, oh, man, like you think I'm hot. Like this girl is even hotter. Yeah, and they have them rated like, okay, well, if you're a ten, what is this girl on the scale? And well, like, oh, it's like twelve. Oh, it's also like you know, let's say hypothetically you're a ten, which you are. Thank you. I was saying, I was quoting. I'm take. I'm gonna take it. <laughs> and it's like she's a twelve, and the woman comes in and not hotter than Tori Wilson. Not hotter than Tori not Wilson. not ugly by any stretch. No, 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 she is very much attractive. She is not an unattractive woman, but she's not hotter than Tori Wilson. Also, I didn't think she was all that old looking. Yeah, did they insinuate that she was like an old lady? That's what they're going for. So it's like, oh yeah, my, they're like, oh, my last name is Robinson. So they're going for like oh, the, they, you know, they are, they're yeah. going for a MILF thing. Yeah, she's not really MILF age. But yeah, it's like, oh, my last name is Robinson. And I'm like, get it? Here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. No one loves you. Yeah, which, on the show. which fucking Kevin Nash blatantly references at the end of this. Oh, segment. yeah, they do a little toast and he says, here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. I'm like, fuck you. Shut up. Get me out of here. Why am I here? My next note in this segment is just like, this is dumb and stupid and bad. Get me out of here. Who the fuck is watching this garbage? Why are you watching this garbage? Turn it off. So they're going to pay her $20,000 to have sex with David Flair. So she's a prostitute. Yes. However... 
I can't imagine it costs $20,000. I think it can. I'm, I'm, I'm literally, like, my point of reference right now is Wolf of Wall Street. I'm like, hmm. thinking, I'm like, yeah. They they reference they actually reference prices in that and they're not twenty thousand. I can't pretend to know pricing for sex workers, but I feel like that's not outlandish. I mean, it's expensive. Yeah. But I think that that is more of an escort rather than a prostitute. All right, let's ruin the uh, search history. What'll it cost? The prostitutes are split up into forty dollar, eighty dollar, and one hundred fifty dollar varieties. Though top end two hundred dollar prostitutes are also available. Top end? Oh. But $50 on average can get the job done. Oh. Um, I don't... Oh, this is significantly less expensive this is This seems to be somewhere specific. I don't want to look into it, but... uh don't. Yeah, 20000 That's... I honestly... That was believable to me. That's that's bordering on the movie, like, Indecent Proposal. I always thought they were more expensive. Now you know. So during this, they acknowledge that, that Tori knows this woman. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of seems to imply that... Tori is also a prostitute? Yeah, so like they're, they're friends, and like there's something saying that Tori couldn't be friends with her, but are they like yeah. in the same line? But of especially work? because I don't get any indication that Tori actually likes David Flair per this. Maybe she's just getting paid to like him. Interesting. Well, well that's that's what I figured this whole time. But, I wasn't sure. Oh, no, no, no. I, they're, considering she's meeting with Hogan and Nash during this right. to do, do plans, I'm like, yeah, I. Are you banging him because you want to bang him, or are you being paid to bang him? Interesting. I, I don't think they're thinking it through. I think it's... No, 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 no. It's just a pretty lady. Have sex with me. Yeah, they toast at the end. Here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Blech. After this, we get the Nitro we are opening. We're finally in the arena. Which is in the network time code, which is not including commercials. We are 37 minutes in. I thought we were more. I thought this was like 45 minutes in. Well, because we then go into the arena, and Mean Gene is in the ring, so we're still not getting a match. Oh, no, no. Mean Gene says he has an interview with Goldberg, the man who went 174-0. and zero. It's not that. It's 173. He calls for Goldberg to come out, and instead, Tori Wilson and David Flair come out. I did find this funny, honestly. Well, David talks and doesn't sound completely stupid, so A+. plus. But, again, another thing that I caught that you may not have... David Flair takes the mic from Mean Gene and starts talking, and immediately Gene has to pull him into frame. Yes, I kind of <laughs> noted this as well. Also, Mean Gene has a lot of back and forth with uh, Tori Wilson. Oh, God, yeah. She says something inappropriate. I can't remember what she even said. Brit, get your butt out here. It's like, is that any way for a lady to talk? It's like, yeah, at that geez. point I wanted to like smack Gene. Yeah. Like, shut up. You're old and crusty when you say shit like that. I will say, again, Tori Wilson. Great performer in oh these. God, like, yeah. is able to ad lib, is able to have some back and forth with Gene. Able to carry the segment. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. I David did not sound completely stupid in this in this segment. You know, I don't have her for it, but honorable mention for MVP later, Tori Wilson. You're right. She did put in some good work. You know how it's like, oh, like he's the best pound for pound wrestler or something like this? Mm-hmm. Like, pound for pound, she might be the best performer on this show. It does help that pound for pound, she is She's probably teeny. half. She's teeny tiny. She literally maybe half the weight of Goldberg. Actually, she's probably less she's than half. She's less the... than half for sure. She's probably like 110 pounds. Yeah. Soaking wet. Goldberg's music then hits, and I'm like, I hope to see a murder. But then David is like, what is that? He, I can't tell if he's like shooting or not. It's like, do you not know Goldberg's music? You don't watch wrestling. Do you not know? So the music hits, and then they go to commercial. Yes. 
So they come back and Goldberg is like then coming out. So I'm like, did they just have him walking through backstage the whole time or maybe just, just weird timing for it? Goldberg then cuts, a, you know, the flair respect promo. Oh, yeah. He's talking about like how you should, you know, respect your father. He's done a lot for this industry. Yeah. He cares about you. He's literally like, I would beat the shit out of you, but I respect your family. I won't because I respect your family. Right. So David then pokes Goldberg and he's like, this is my fucking time. So Goldberg then like grabs him by the fucking throat, and, like brings him into the corner and is like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Yeah. Do you know I'm fucking Goldberg? You want to fuck with me? I actually murder you. So then at this point, Ric Flair arrives. He's like running into well, the ring. He shows up first. He sees it on the television and then and sprints then the running, ring. Yeah. He pulls Goldberg off of David and then gives him a chop, which Goldberg fucking no-sells. Oh my god, yeah. But it's also like, dude, I just spent this whole promo defending you. Don't chop me! Well, he didn't see it because he wasn't here. But no. Goldberg then press slams Ric Flair. I think that's the one that looks a little bit dodgy. Maybe, yeah. And he press slams him, and then it's like, Miji kind of regains order. Like, that is the president of WCW. And then we get a promo from Ric Flair. That made you uncomfortable. <sighs> it Not didn't uncomfortable, make... made you unhappy. Yeah. A... Ric Flair goes a little power hungry. And all of a sudden is going, I am the best wrestler to ever live. And it's like, depending on who you're saying this to, it can work. But when you're doing it to Goldberg, it's like, are you heel turning? It seemed like it. And the match later confirmed it. Yeah. He books himself versus Goldberg for later in the night. But um, yeah, he gets a little power hungry and egomaniacal. And Goldberg calls him out on it. And even the crowd is booing Flair and cheering Goldberg. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no. They're doing a heel turn. To which this prompted me to make a list of the current faces of WCW. And it is a slim list. Yes. So I've got Goldberg, DDP, who is currently injured. Sting, who is not currently on television. Booker T. Who yeah, else? we were saying Randy Savage not on TV. He's not on TV. Uh, Benoit Malenko. I, I guess yeah. Billy Kidman. Yes, Billy Kidman is a face. <laughs> Ray. Ray. But if we're talking about main event, Conan. Faces, Conan's a face. But if we're talking about main Conan, event, Conan weirdly not on this fucking not on the build at all. Really. Yeah. Main event. We've got what four or five. Yeah, that's not a lot. Four. If you're like stretching. Which means they're gonna have to turn somebody face probably. Or bring new people in. So they're going to turn somebody's face. Yeah. <laughs> so that match is booked for later tonight. Jeez. <laughs> and that's literally the next thing we have. The main event. This is such... I mean, granted, this we are we are episode. over an hour into the show. So there's a bunch of nothing matches. Really not really many segments. Mm-mm. And so... Because they filled the first hour with segments. So we, we're going straight to the main event. Except right before that, Hogan and Nash come out for commentary. Of course they do. And Mike and Bobby leave. I honestly, I tuned out commentary for this because it's, I, I actually said, I don't know if I'd rather have Hogan and Nash on commentary or fucking 2010, 2011 heel Michael Cole. <laughs> it, it's, they're both real bad. There was one line that really just made the eyes roll in the back of my head. Nash asks um, Tony Schiavone. Do people really like this Goldberg cat? To which Tony's like, yeah. Yeah, they do. I'm like, come on. 
Shut the fuck up. No, maybe I shouldn't edit his streak. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, Flair tries to shoulder block Goldberg, but it has n- no effect. Yeah, talk about a no-sell. He does that like three times and is like, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Goldberg press power slams Flair, who then regroups on the outside. He goes to leave, but Goldberg brings him back. Definitely a heel move. Mm-hmm. This is where it gets weird and bad. So... Flair distracts the ref and then low blows Goldberg, you know, when he's not looking, followed by a blatant low blow in front of the ref. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, why did you distract him for the first yeah, one then? Yeah, what's the point? And then I'm, I think this is where I'm like, yep, it's a heel turn. Fuck. We get a half-distracted low blow. Oh, Rick Steiner's also a face just randomly popping in my brain. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, we get a half-distracted low blow. Flair puts Goldberg in the figure four and uses the ropes for leverage. So, more heel tactics. I said I ignored them, but we actually do get a line from Hogan, which set me off a little bit. Because I think it's when Flair is using the ropes, or he's cheating in some capacity. And they're like, oh, is that any way for a president to act? And then Hogan says, oh, you know, all presidents are alike. And I'm like, wait a minute. Aren't you running for president, Mr. Hogan? I did drop that. (laughs) Where did that go? I completely forgot about that. I I know. That line, I was like, wait. That was a thing you were doing. We still never found out who his goddamn running mate would have been. No, we never did. I want to know. Huh. But yeah, I imagine we'll never hear about that again. Oh, absolutely not. That's dead. That's over. Flair chops Goldberg, but it only fires him up. Goldberg goes for the spear, but Flair avoids it, and Goldberg goes into the turnbuckle. Thankfully, not headfirst in the turnbuckle post. (laughs) Flair hits a vertical suplex, but Goldberg no-sells it and spears him after a Flair strut. A Flair strut. I called it a cocky dance because I didn't know it had a name. No, it is the strut. Okay. The NWO then interfere, and Goldberg tries to fight him off, and during this, the ref calls the bell. Just no no contest. They're going to beat up both of you, we know. And that's pretty much how the show ends, is that NWO beating down both Flair and Goldberg. With Flair just literally hitting low blows on, like, everybody yeah. in the NWO. What a bad episode. Yeah, the, yeah, the fact that the first, you know, real time, first hour 15 of the show, didn't have any wrestling. I just can't imagine being a viewer at this time and continuing to watch. Like, watch anything else. So, first some scale, the... Uh, the January 4th and 11th Monday Nitro had a five, you know, Nielsen rating. These all did around 4.3. That's not as bad as I would Yeah, think. they're still not losing people yet. No, that's really not that bad. However, the 29th is a 3.5. I'm worried about that. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just, oh, no. I'm seeing the numbers go down. Oh, no. <laughs> so... It looks like it's all downhill from here. Uncensored is usually the worst uh, pay-per-view of the year. So we'll see how that goes. But that's the build to Uncensored oh, 1999. It. Yeah, we managed to get it through Three it in one episode. A little bit longer episode, but not uh, still shorter than our first episode. True. Uh, let's go to your best bits and MVP. 
So I gave my best bit to the only match that I really remember kind of enjoying, which was the main event in the first episode of the build. It was the Steiner and Goldberg match. Okay. I, I kind of, I liked that enough. I also gave that oh, my, really? my best bit, okay. yeah. I was going to give it to Booker T and Bret Hart, but it was just like re-talking about it. I was like, ah, it wasn't good enough. Yeah, I, it's it's funny. It's like the goldberg Steiner match has a real non-finish and the weird, you know, semi-lackluster return. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, I don't think either of these guys should have beat each other right now. No, but it was still a good match. Yeah, and I was happy to see Rick Snyder back. Yeah. I liked Kevin Nash versus Ray more than you did, but yeah. I, I, I think the other one was better. And then I gave my MVP to Booker T. For integrity purposes, because like he did perform well in his match, and I do enjoy seeing him. He brought me joy, so he's my MVP. I was very close to giving mine to Scott Steiner. I, I I really enjoyed him. I think, unfortunately, the weird spring breakout stuff kind of... Yeah. Which he wasn't bad in. That was more... Just the overall... The existence of it exactly. was bad more than he was bad in it. Yeah. I would say, none of it felt super self-indulgent. Yeah. More bad comedy than self-indulgent. Yeah. But uh, I'm giving mine to Goldberg, I think. Oh, okay. In I the was grand scheme, thing, too. especially if that is a flare heel turn, mm-hmm. who can you use as a face to counter a flare heel turn? Yeah, it's like really that's the only spot He's for Goldberg, and he does still feel like a star. Oh, he absolutely. Yeah, does. They, I th- especially it was waning a little bit with the Hall and Bam Bam feud. You know what we didn't see at all during this build? The stun stick. Oh, it's gone. God. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> I just realized. If that somehow shows up. Hall's going to return and he's going to. I'm going to scream. This pay- the, the pay-per-view podcast is just going to be an hour and a half of me screaming. We use that for the uh, director's cut. <laughs> so that's it for this episode. We did it. We did the entire build in one. Granted, it's only three weeks. And we've done three weeks of a build before. But next up, the WrestleMania 37 uh, we'll, we'll we'll do it in one. We'll probably talk a little bit shorter because they're doing two nights again. Oh, we're we'll, doing Yeah, one. we'll just yeah. do it in one. I, right. Yeah. Next up in our actual timeline is Uncensored. And after that, we're going weekly. Yeah. Also, somewhere in there, we are going to be doing WrestleMania 15. Yeah, we are. That'll be fun. I'm excited for that. That'll be fun. But the best way to keep in touch with us is to follow us on Twitter at ButtsInThePod. And all the episodes will continue to be on Spotify, so follow us there. We're also going to be on iTunes soon. Not sure if that'll be up by the time this episode comes out, but I'm going to try. As mentioned, next up, WrestleMania 37. And I think that's it for us. I'm Nick alongside Emily. Here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Shut up. (laughs) 